1: To a Jew, a Gentile was considered unholy. You don't touch a Gentile, you don't go near a Gentile, you certainly don't go in a Gentile's house. And God is going to stretch his understanding of humanity. And Peter's going to come to an awareness, and this is important for all of us to understand. Jesus Christ died for all, not just for people who look like you. Jesus died for all.
0: Muslims, the LGBTQ community, atheists. These are just a few of the communities that we've traditionally seen as being outside of the reach of Christianity. Sadly, many of us have simply written them off and assumed that they're too far gone. That's not the case. God is actively at work on their hearts. Just like every one of us, where at one point, they are lost. They've been choosing to serve self and their ideals instead of submitting to God. But God longs to bring them into His kingdom. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Acts chapter 10 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection
1: they had to follow that regiment to remind themselves that God is a holy God, and they had to follow certain rules in order to please that holy God. Now, fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus Christ dies on a cross for us. Now our holiness is gained, our righteousness, through faith in him and his finished work. It doesn't come because we obey a system of rules. So the dietary commandments of the Old Testament have been done away with. Now, how do we know the dietary commandments of the Old Testament have been done away with? Because Jesus said so in Mark chapter 7. I'll just read to you. Verses 18 and 19, there's this whole conversation Jesus has about what makes a person clean and unclean. And at the end, he, he says this, he goes, are you so dull? He, he said to, to those who were listening to him, he says, don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean for it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. And then Mark 7 adds in, in verse 19, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. So... Enjoy the pulled pork barbecue, shrimp, and crab. It's all good, folks. Put it back in the barbie. You know what I'm saying to you? But in the Old Testament days, those things were considered unclean. Jesus comes along and he says, listen, cleanliness is an issue of the heart. And the way you get your heart right is you come into relationship with me, Jesus was insinuating there, inferring. And so the old covenant was rules and regulations. That's how I'm clean. That's how I'm right. That's how I'm holy. You come into relationship with Jesus' new covenant. He says, through me is how you are made holy and righteous by faith in what I've done for you. And therefore, the dietary system is not in play anymore. So you're, you're free to eat. Now, those who don't accept Jesus, you know, Jews today who don't accept Jesus as Messiah, they still hold very much to the dietary laws. I remember my very first trip to Israel, and after about four days, I just didn't put two and two together. And they have great, you know, buffets at every place we go. But I just remember craving one morning, "Where's the bacon?" And I'm not even a bacon eater particularly. But you know, when you have a big buffet, you're looking at everything that's there, and then some of the things that are missing stand out to you. And I'm like, "Where is the bacon?" That's right, I'm in Israel. And so pork is still considered unclean. But Jesus actually makes it clean by what he says there in Mark chapter 7. But this is Peter. Peter is at a place where the rules and regulations are still something that he is painfully aware of, even though he's a believer in Jesus. And the rules and regulations as it relates to food, God is going to use to translate into Peter's rules and regulations concerning people. Because you see, in these days, to a Jew, a Gentile was an unclean person. To a Jew, a Gentile was considered unholy. You don't touch a Gentile, you don't go near a Gentile, you certainly don't go in a Gentile's house. And God is going to stretch his understanding of humanity. And Peter's going to come to an awareness, and this is important for all of us to understand. Jesus Christ died for all, not just for people who look like you. Jesus died for all. The Bible says in Revelation 5, 9, when when John was talking about Jesus as our sacrifice, he says, you were slain and by your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. But Peter doesn't yet understand this. So God gives him this vision of the sheet that is being lowered down with all kinds of unclean animal, and the Lord says, get up and go ahead and eat. And Peter's like, no, never. I'll never eat anything unclean like this. Verse 15, the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. I just wonder if that's because this is Peter. Remember, everything is three times, right? How many times did you deny me? Three times. How many times do you love me? Say it. Three times. That's the end of John chapter 21. So here, three times (laughs) the Lord is dropping this. Do you get it, Pete? Here, here's a third time. Do you understand what I'm trying to teach you? And immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. And while Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, like I don't quite understand all this, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon Peter's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Now, pause for a moment. You're on the roof. You're really hungry. You've had this whole vision thing. you got this sheet coming down, unclean animals. You're not quite sure what the whole thing means. But now the Spirit of the Lord says, hey, there's three guys who are looking for you. I guarantee you he thought they were Jews. Guarantee you. He's not understanding the whole dynamic of the vision yet. And he's thinking, oh, the Lord's brought some visitors. Let's go down and see who they are. And Peter went down, verse 21, and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. What? (laughs) He is a righteous and God-fearing man who was respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into his house to be his guests. Wow. That's another taboo that he's breaking here. Not only is he staying at Simon the Tanner's house, they're both Jews, but now he's inviting these Gentiles into a Jewish home. So he's growing here. He's definitely growing here. And he's realizing, okay, got the vision thing. It's all starting to make sense now. And Now, what I also love about this, and I mentioned this last week, when God does something in a somewhat prophetic way, please, please note that he is operating at both ends of this story. Okay, the angel appears in a vision to Cornelius and says to Cornelius, there's a guy whose name is Simon Peter. You need to send some messengers and go get him. He's at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea in Joppa. While at the same time in Joppa, the Holy Spirit says to Peter, go downstairs. There's three men who are are here to see you. Get up and don't hesitate to go with them. And so, please note how God works at both ends. Someone who says something to you with a word from the Lord should only be confirmation, never direction. Just confirmation, but not direction. You need to get your direction directly from the Lord. And then God can bring people into your life who will say things that confirm what God has already said to you. And that is what we see here. So, Peter's heart is already prepared, and he goes without haste, he invited the men in first to be his guests. And then it says the next day, Peter started out with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa went along. Now these are going to be fellow Jews who are curious about what's going on here. Peter's like, well, I got to go, I got to go to Caesarea. I'm going with these three Gentile guys because the Lord told me I need to go with them. And they're like, wow, this is going to be awesome. We're going to go with you. So, so some Jews go with them. And it says in verse 24, the following day he arrived in Caesarea, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. I mean, he's, he's got a whole party here. He, he sent out, he, he invite invitations here, he all these friends here, they've come to his house. And as Peter entered the house... Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence, but Peter made him get up, stand up. He said, I am only a man myself. Now, by the way, this is another taboo because he's going into the home of a Gentile. So he's really being stretched here. So God bless him because, you know, Peter is, he's, he's, he's learning as he's going. And he's a good example for us. Sometimes it's not easy to process everything all at once, especially if we have to pry loose from traditions that aren't necessarily biblical, but they've shaped our thinking. And so Peter is having to realize here, okay, this is something strange and new. I've never been into a Gentile's house. This is kind of, I wonder if they have TV. I mean, this is kind of incredible. And he's looking around here. But notice Cornelius, as an act of reverence, falls down at Peter's feet in reverence here. And I love what Peter says. He makes him get up, stand up. I'm only a man myself. He understands his rightful place. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't drink it in for a moment. Well, you just stay there for a few minutes. You have anything to eat? I'm hungry, too. Now you can get up. You know, he doesn't do any of that. He realizes this isn't even right. You know what's, you know what's really curious? You go to Rome, Italy today, St. Peter's Basilica. There's a bronze statue, life-size statue of St. Peter that was made in the 13th century, and the toes on his right foot are completely rubbed off. They're gone. Because all the people who've made pilgrimage to stop and kiss Peter's feet have literally rubbed his toes away. It's gone. You can Google it and look it up. On his left foot, which is kind of tucked back on the on the statue, his left foot's kind of tucked back. All the toes are there. The right foot that is protruding a little bit is what everybody comes by and they and they and they kiss. The foot of Peter, and they, and they, you know, they venerate him. And I, and I read this here, and I think Peter must be in heaven going, oi vei. It is a statue of me. Do not kiss my foot. Do not worship me or bow down to me. And he, he puts Cornelius in the right perspective here. I'm only a man myself. Verse 27, talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who was called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Isn't this a great scene? I mean, Cornelius, you know, he loves his family and his friends, and so he's got people gathered in his house, how many it doesn't say, how big is his house it doesn't say, but, but there's a large gathering here, and they're just eager, just tell us, Peter, tell us what we need to hear. What is this good news? And then in verse 34, down through verse 43, Peter is basically going to preach the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Not a long sermon. It's only, it's only a couple minutes here to read this. Not even a couple minutes. Look at verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now, notice twice in there, Peter says, you know this, you know this. So the story of Jesus was widespread in the day. They were familiar with Jesus. They had heard about Jesus. But then he continues to connect the dots for him. Verse 39, he says, We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. I, you know, I stopped there to comment a little bit, but what was that? A minute maybe? You could read through this. That's the length of his sermon. Notice what happens, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, that's the Jews from Joppa, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Get, get the idea of the scene here. So Peter is just, you know, he's invited into the home. Here he is. He just starts to share with them about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You've heard, you've heard about his ministry, how he was going around healing, casting out demons, and he was doing the work of the Lord, and then he got nailed to a tree. He was crucified, but God raised him from the dead. And so he preaches it very succinctly there. The life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in the middle of this sermon, as, as he is preaching this, They get saved. Now, it doesn't come right out and say those words, they get saved. But you have to infer that because as he's speaking, the Holy Spirit came upon all who heard the message, which means they became then baptized by the Holy Spirit because they now were believers in the message in Jesus, the message that was being preached by Peter. And as they believe what they are hearing, you know, what was Romans say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As they are hearing the truth, as they're hearing the word of God, they get saved. Their hearts are changed. They have this conversion experience because they trust and they believe in their hearts based on what Peter is saying to them about Jesus. And as they believe and receive, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And in this particular case, it does say, and they were speaking in tongues, praising God. It is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gift of tongues. And as I pointed out thus far through the book of Acts, there are occasions, Acts 2, Acts 10, where people speak in tongues when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Acts 8, they didn't speak in tongues. Acts 19, they didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit, so You know, we don't make a formula out of this, but we do believe that the Holy Spirit still baptizes believers and God still distributes gifts as he wills. It doesn't necessarily have to be the gift of tongues, but it can be. The evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is 1 Corinthians 13. That's when Paul says, if I speak in the tongues, as prayer language, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And he talks about how love is the supreme thing that trumps any kind of spiritual gift as the ultimate evidence that one is filled with the Holy Spirit. But God can still give you various gifts. And in this particular case, they are speaking in tongues. And the fellow Jews who are also, it's inferred, are believers who've come with Peter, they are astonished. Their eyes are as big as dinner plates. They are like, what in the world is going on here? Gentiles, goyim, they have come to faith in Jesus? And they are astonished. And after this, the next verse, verse, end of verse 46, then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have, so we ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So the synopsis of Cornelius and his family goes like this. They believed in Jesus. They get saved. They were baptized by the Holy Spirit. And then they're baptized with water. Baptism with water is just the external sign of an internal work. It's not required for salvation. They're already saved. But they do it in obedience, and so should we, to demonstrate that we identify with the finished work of Christ by going under the water like he was buried, coming up out of the water like he rose from the dead, that we too may live a new life for the glory of God. And Cornelius' family here has this radical transformation, and they become the first Gentiles who are believers in Jesus? Now I want you to note something with me before before we pause and, and close out our Bible study for tonight. Peter here is he's growing, he's stretching, he's like, okay, the, I, I get this, you know, the sheet and the unclean animals, and all right, don't call anything unclean. He even starts out his sermon by saying, I now know that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from all nations who do what is right. He's like, I now know this, I get this. But does he really? Completely? This is about 42 A.D., about seven years later, in 49 A.D., Paul will start his book to the Galatians. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11, I want you to note this. Paul says, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong before certain men came from james he used to eat with the gentiles but when they arrived he began to draw back and separate himself from the gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group the the jews the other jews joined in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy even barnabas was led astray paul calls out peter in galatians 2 verse 11 and he says hey peter You 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 were fine to eat with the Gentiles until some of your fellow Jews came around and then you pulled away from the Gentiles because you didn't want your fellow Jews to think that you were socializing with Gentiles. What's the matter with you? That's seven years after this story. Old habits are sometimes hard to break. And our misperceptions and our prejudice towards people are sometimes the most terribly deep-rooted problems and sins that we have. Peter, I believe completely in the story of Acts, was like, yes, I now believe it. Yes, I now accept it. I know you're not like me. You're a Gentile, but okay, I love you. I see that. And seven years later, he's pulling back because he doesn't want to be seen with the Gentiles. We need to always be examining our hearts for any deep-rooted prejudice or anything in our hearts that thinks less of somebody else because they're not like you. And we need to recognize it as sin because Paul calls him out for it and calls it sin. It's hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy, Peter. How dare you? How dare you think that you're better than the Gentiles? You know that Jesus died for them just like he died for you. How dare you do that? And you've even led Barnabas astray in the process. So even some of the most seasoned saints, if they look deep in their hearts, might have to uproot some private sinful prejudice of their own. I mean, the good news is, I think Peter eventually was able to uproot that kind of a thing, but we're no better, and we're no different, and we better be careful to examine our own hearts to see if there's any of that in our own lives towards others. In Galatians chapter 3:28, Paul said, There's neither Jew nor Greek, Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ. And whoever comes to a place of making a decision for Jesus Christ is a part of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is large and rich and diverse. But Jesus died for all, not just the people who look like you.
0: Your new life. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hammer. Pastor Gary's been going through the Book of Acts. If you missed any part of this message, you can hear it again on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. You might want to download our mobile app, so you have these teachings with you on the go. That way, you'll never miss a message from Pastor Gary's studies, and you'll always have encouragement from God's Word at your fingertips. Find a link to download the app for your iPhone or Android device at our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Simply look under the Teachings tab. While you're there, feel free to take some time to learn about the church this radio ministry originates from, Cornerstone Chapel. We'd be happy to meet you. You'll find all you need to know about service times and other info on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. We hope and pray you've been blessed by today's teaching in the book of Acts. Keep reading on your own in this book and discover so many inspiring and motivating things. Pastor Gary will continue teaching about the amazing acts done by God and His Spirit on our next edition of Cornerstone Connection.
1: Do you know?